Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that law of my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find somewhere to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Thank you for joining me here again on Sandy Creek Stirrings, a podcast that you can find on any of the major podcasting platforms, whether it be Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, Listen Notes. Uh, are we on Listen Notes? I think we're on Listen Notes. I have no clue. Is Listen Notes even a thing? Did I just make that up off the top of my head? I have no idea. I'm going to have to Google that. But we are on every single podcast network there is. As far as I know, we're on every single one. And excited to be here back for episode number 225. And yes, I just Googled it. We are on Listen Notes as well. I don't even know if that's like a big deal or not, but it's the first thing that came to mind. There's so many different podcast search engines. And by the way, whatever podcast search engine you use or whatever podcast uh, platform you listen on, whether it be any of those we just mentioned, you can always hit that subscribe or that follow button to be able to find all of the episodes as soon as they are released. Every single Friday, you'll have those, uh, those episodes come directly to you through a notification so you never miss a single one. And let me encourage you to do that. If you're of the mind to, let me encourage you to go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review. You say, why would I do that? Well, by leaving us a review, it simply bumps the podcast up the charts. And by bumping up the charts, it allows people to be able to find this podcast and to find the content that we have put out over now, including today's episode 225 episodes. Now, if this is your first time listening, let me thank you for joining us today. This is a podcast where our goal is to stir up Christians for the cause of Christ, to stir up Christians for the cause of Christ, to do something great with their lives. That is our goal, and we are so excited to have you here today. Now, we talk about many different things on Sandy Creek Stirrings, but everything focuses around God and how we can draw closer to Him and follow every area that the Bible teaches. We don't want to leave anything undone or left behind. If you want to find out a little bit more about Sandy Creek Stirrings, you can go to our website. Simply type in 
sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's sandycreekstirrings.com. And if you click the About button, you will find out about me, about our podcast, and when we produce episodes, and what it's all about, and where the name came from, the idea behind Sandy Creek stirrings. And so let me encourage you to go to our website. It's also on there. You can click our contact button. You'll see my email. I'll tell it to you now. Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. If this is your first time to listen, let me thank you. Why don't you shoot me an email, introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you a little bit better, but my email again is Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. Again, if you have any questions about the Bible, about me, about my church, or about whatever you want to ask a question about, you can send those into that email. And again, you can find that email on our website. Now, I'm sure that you probably noticed our title for today, The Eight C's, The Eight C's for Raising Children. The Eight C's for Raising Children or the eight C's to child rearing. I don't know what we're going to name it yet. I typically name the podcast episodes after uh, we do the recording, so it's going to be something along those lines, but something about eight C's of raising children. And so we've got eight different areas that I want to remind you of in this episode. These are nothing new. They aren't something to where you've never heard these before. What I might say is these are good reminders that every single parent needs to be reminded of every now and then about some keys to raising children or the keys to child rearing. And I've got eight different things for you today. Now, parenting is not a topic that we have shied away from here on Sandy Creek Stirrings. We've talked about parenting in many other episodes, but including individual 17 individual episodes that have been dedicated to uh, topics about parenting and the home. Now, there's many more where we did, where we mentioned parenting, gave some tips, gave some ideas for the home and parents alike, growing your marriage, things of that sort. But then there's 17 where the whole episode is dedicated to this type of subject. For instance, episode number 79, we covered all your teens' problems. Yes, that's the title of the episode, all your teens' problems. Episode number 83, we talked about a parent's response. Episode number 87, we talked about parent like Amram and Jochebed. You say, I don't even know who that is. Good. Go back and listen to episode number 87. Um, episode number 89, we talked about 10 simple ways to get more scripture into your home. 10 simple ways to get more scripture into your home. I was joined by a guest on that episode, and they have been with me one time, probably my favorite guest to ever join me, and I'm sorry to all the people who have wonderful men of God, but that was my daughter, Liberty, and how sweet that was to be able to have her join me. She was three years old at that time, and so you want to go back and listen to that. 10 Simple Ways to Get More Scripture in Your Home, episode number 89. Then we had episode number 115, uh, teaching your children wise money habits. Teaching your children wise money habits. E one episode number one hundred and fifty was the home killer hypocrisy. Talking about hypocrisy in the home. Then we have a, a seven part series with Pastor Patrick Jimenez entitled "Teaching Your Children Faith." That was episodes number 154, 155, 157, 160, 161, 164, and 165. Then we had episode number 199, 10 subjects to cover with your teens. Episode number 205, parental lies, lies that parents tell themselves. Episode number 206, parents, your teens are great. 
And then episode number 215 was our most recent one called A Heritage and a Reward. A Heritage and a Reward. Now, this will make the 18th episode we've ever done on parenting and dedicating the whole episode to parenting. So I hope today will be a help and a blessing to you. Now, as I said, we've covered so many of these topics a little bit more in depth in some of those other episodes, especially that series on teaching your children faith. A lot of what we're covering and kind of reminding ourselves is the way I'm going to put it today. These are good reminders. This isn't going to be an in-depth on every single one, but good reminders. Go back and think about these and apply them to your life and examine yourself. What I would encourage you to do is think of each of these eight things as a magnifying glass. And go look at your life and your home and your parenting skills and use every single one of them as a magnifying glass to see, am I accomplishing these areas? Am I doing right by my children as a parent in these areas? And so these are reminders. We covered a lot of this stuff in depth in that Teaching Your Children Faith series with Pastor Patrick Amenez. Again, that started in episode number, let me grab my list again, episode number 154, going through episode number 165, of course, scattered in between. But if you missed that, you can rewind this episode and go back to the entire list and um, and see those. Eight C's to child rearing. Eight C's of child rearing and raising children. Eight different C-letter words that you need to raise children for the Lord. I'm going to give you them right now. Let me encourage you to write these down if you have a pen and a piece of paper. Or if you're listening, go ahead and take time to think about how you've been doing in these areas. We might call it an eight-point quiz, an eight-point checkup. How have you been doing, parent, in these areas? The first C that you need in raising your children is correction correction. Now, these are in no particular order. They're not in order of importance. These are just in the order that I wrote them down as they came to my mind, And uh, but they need correction. They need to be corrected. Look, you have to train your children, even from a young age. Parents have fallen into a trap in today's world where the society teaches that your children are just the way they are. It's just a stage. It's just something they're going through, and that's simply not true. That is not true. They're not just going through a stage. They're going through what's called sin nature that they are born with. And we talked about why it's not a stage, why it needs to be disciplined. We talked about that in episode number 205 under parental lies, and how that's a lie that parents are falling for in today's world is they're being lied to, being told that their children are just, that's the terrible twos, that's the temper tantrum threes, or whatever they call it. And they go, every every age becomes a stage, and you don't need to deal with it. It. Or we can, and we'll talk about this maybe even next week on an episode I'm working on, but we get into the world of uh, psych- psychiatry that basically tells everyone there are, is no morality, there is no good or bad, it's all just mental disorders and we just need to medicate it. No, that's not the answer. Here's what your children need. They need biblical correction. Did you hear me? I said biblical correction. I didn't say to go beat your children. I didn't say to go whoop your children. I didn't say to go uh, take your children and, and, and strangle. I didn't say any of that. I said biblical correction, which is both firm and loving, which is both at the right time and in the right place, with the right attitude, with the right 
disciplinary measures. Biblical discipline. Now you say, wait a second, what episode can I refer to to go back and listen to biblical discipline? We actually don't have an episode on that yet, and that's a question you should go ask your pastor on biblical discipline. We might put an episode out on that very soon, you never know, but right now I don't have an episode to refer you to, but if you're in a good, independent, fundamental Baptist church of like faith, let me encourage you to go to your pastor and say, preacher, could you please tell me a little bit more about biblical discipline and biblical correction? Take your pastor's advice. Double-check it from the Word of God. Don't just take his word for it. Double-check it from the Word of God and what the Bible has to say about the rod. And so go check it from the Word of God. Line everything up. Learn about the spirit of correction, how a parent should maintain their attitude. Uh, the Bible says that the rod of his anger shall fail. A parent, when you correct your children and you are angry and you have an attitude with them, the Bible says you have failed in the area of correction. And so there's certain things you need to learn, and as I said, we might put this out in an episode one day on biblical correction or biblical discipline, but for now, go ask your parent, but you must have correction, and parents, do not fall for the trap that you have to wait until they're six years old or seven years old. You wait then, it's too late. And you know why a lot of parents who have terrible terrible 12-year-olds, and they send them to my youth group and hope I can fix them. You know why they do that? And I'm I'm not calling out like any parents in my youth group. Right now, I don't have any of those kids. Not that I haven't had some in the past, but I have people who will sometimes they'll, they'll say, hey, you know, my, my kid, da-da-da, and I need this fixed. Well, you know what? If you would have corrected it when they were three and two, and hey, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, and um, she doesn't get corrected like she's a three-year-old. This is something you need to talk to your pastor about again. You don't correct everybody in the same way. Um, she's one and a half, right? So it's completely different. I don't, I don't discipline my one and a half-year-old like she's four. Completely different animal. But as far as like the method of discipline, I'm not calling my children animals. Um, but completely different thing in the way I discipline my one and a half-year-old. But hey, she throws fits too. And she needs to learn right now. You can't throw yourself on the floor and stomp your feet and roll around. You can't do that. That's not allowed. You will control yourself. And so that takes correction. So let me ask you this, parent. How have you been doing in the area of correction? Have you bought into the lie that you do not need to correct your children? Now, we get in this... Uh, we've been tricked and been been deceived. Young parents are now, when their children are young, they don't correct them because they've just been told it's a stage and it'll all work out. I was told somebody, I, I hate to even mention this, but a kid was picking his nose every single service and I'm um, in junior church. And um, I correct it in junior church. Like I say, hey, quit picking your nose. Like I'll call you out, you know. I'll let, I'll let it slide once, twice, but you know, after so long, I'm sorry, I'm not going to stand there and watch you while you pick your nose. So I corrected, and I told him, hey, quit picking your nose. And I didn't call him out by name the first time. I just said, hey, there's somebody in here picking their nose, because I don't want to embarrass the kid. Stop. And uh, he stopped, but then, you know, kept happening. So finally, I called him out by name, and, you know, that's what it came down to. And so we called him out and uh, eventually talked to his parents about it. And um, he t they told me, they said, well, his doctor said it's something he'll just grow out of. You know why gorillas have big nostrils? Because they have big fingers. 
All right. I, I don't know if you never, if you never correct your, your children for that, I don't think they're ever going to grow out of it. You're going to have a 42-year-old who's still picking his nose in the car because we have all seen those guys at the red light. And But anyway, you need to correct your children. But young parents have been sold this lie that it's just a stage. And then parents of teenagers have been told, and they've bought the line, that if you correct your children, they will rebel and leave. That's not true either. And if that does happen, listen to me very closely. That is not the fault of biblical discipline, and that is not the fault of correction. That is a heart problem. And can I say this as nice as possible, parent, if that happens, you did not have your child's heart. It's so important that you have your child's heart. And you say, well, how do I get my child's heart? We'll give you that number three. The third C is how you get your child's heart. But you know what? That's not a correction issue. That's a heart issue. And somewhere along the way, you disconnected with their heart. That was the reason they were belled. That was the reason they left. So the very first C that I want to remind you of today, out of eight of them, you need correction. You need correction. Now, as I was looking at this list as I'm going through it right now, it just popped into my mind. I don't have Christ on this list. Like, that's a C. Like, you need Christ. You need them to be saved. You need Christ in your home. And and I think for Sandy Creek Stirrings, um, that's kind of obvious. This isn't a podcast necessarily for people who are lost. If you are lost and you've never been saved, you don't know for sure if you'd go to heaven or hell when you die, let me encourage you to go back and listen to one of our very first episodes where we talked about how to get saved. Episode number five, what is biblical salvation? But this, the Sandy Creek Stirrings is is more focused on helping the Christians. So I think it's kind of obvious you need Christ if you want to raise children for the Lord. So I'll just slide that in for anybody who's going to comment and say, you know what, you never talked about having Christ. Well, I mean, duh, come on, you need to have Christ, you need to have Jesus in your home. So I'll just slide that in there if you want to put that as number nine. And as I said, there are no order of importance, but if you want to put that at number nine, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But correction, we put number one as, again, not in order of importance. Number two, and this goes hand in hand with correction, is parents need consistency. Parents need consistency. You need to be consistent. I think the biggest failure I probably see in raising children in homes is a lack. Mm, is this the biggest? I don't know. Number number um, number six might be the biggest issue I see in homes. But the, number six goes hand in hand with that. Either way, this is a big deal. This consistency. I see parents who they get, oh man, we're going to start discipline, we're going to do right, we're going to raise these kids for the Lord, and then the they do great the first day, they do great the second day, they do great the third day, fourth day, you know, schedule wasn't for it, we didn't have enough time to actually invest in, in proper correction, proper discipline, and then fifth day, oh, it was a little tough again, and then, well, the sixth day, you know, it was just a fun day, we didn't want to correct them, and then the seventh, it was non-existent. Consistency. Listen to me, you cannot discipline your child for something on Monday and then again in the afternoon and then again in the evening. Maybe they were, let's go back to picking their nose and you're training your three-year-old. No, you are not allowed to pick your nose. If you need 
I'm not trying to get crude here, but if you need to get a booger out, you know, go to the restroom and, you know, use some tissue, you know. Uh, You're not going to pick your nose at the dinner table and wipe it under the table. You're not going to do that. Let's say that's what you're correcting your children for. And now some of you are getting grossed out. And uh, But you can't correct them breakfast Monday and lunch Monday and dinner Monday and then not correct them all day Tuesday and expect it to stick. Now, a lot of the reason why parents are failing in the area of discipline is they're just not being consistent with it. It's not that they don't know what to do. And I think as a, as a, as a society, as a whole, we have gotten away from how do you have biblical discipline in your home. So I think that is an issue as well. But I think for Christians who have been raised in church, who have been raised in godly homes, they know about discipline. They know what to do. They're just not being consistent with it. And this applies whether it be a child who is two and three or one and a half or even one. This applies in that scenario because we get so tired of this is the ultimate training ground. We are training them right now. These are the building blocks, so we're after them all the time. No, 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 no. It seems like we're saying no all day long when you have toddlers. That's just the way it is, all right? I mean, you're not alone. Plenty of other parents are going through the same thing. You have to remain consistent all day. But parent, do not think you can stop being consistent as they get older and the need for discipline, hopefully if you did it right in the early stage, becomes less and less. Don't think you can now become inconsistent. You still have to remain on top of your game and be consistent on what you correct them for. Be consistent. So how are you doing in the area of consistency? Next, number three. We need to focus on the area of compliment. Now, I wanted these all to be the letter C, so I was looking for, and I Googled, because I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, I Googled a synonym for praise, and compliment came up, and I said, you know what, I'll use that, that one will work. And But you need to work on complimenting your children. I think a better term for is praise You need to work on praising your children. In fact, I read a book once where a pastor recommended this, and I'm still working on this is hard. It's hard, all right? So this is something that you have to make yourself do. But something that he said, and I think he was right on, is if we are going to get our children to turn out right, we need to major on praise and minor in correction. Now, that doesn't mean that we push aside correction and we don't do it because we want to make sure we praise them a lot. No, 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 no. That simply means that we want to make sure that we praise them twice as much as we correct them. So we look for any little thing we can praise them about. My one-and-a-half-year-old victory thrives on praise. That young lady, she can throw some of the worst fits you've ever seen. She bites. She's a biter. and uh, But she can do some crazy things. And uh, correction, it fixes it sometimes. And she's still learning, right? But I tell you what works for her is praise. She's putting away her toys, and you know what? I, I praise her. Oh, Victory, you did such a good job. Way to go. I am so proud. Oh, and then she runs and she grabs another toy. Same thing. Oh, Victory, you are, oh, that is a great, she is one and a half, y'all, and she's not 18, all right? I wouldn't treat my 18-year-old that way. She is one and a half, but I want to praise her because she thrives off of praise. I've noticed that with all of my children. They want to please you. Parent, you have to remember something, that your kids were naturally programmed by God that they want to please their parent. 
they want to please their parent. They love you. Naturally, that's the way God designed children, is they want to please you, and they love you, so they thrive on praise. If we're not careful, we can tip the scale so much to correction, especially in those early years, we can tip it so much to correction that we forget to praise them. And here's what you have to do. You have to purposely, throughout the day, look for things that you can praise them about. Praise them for picking up their toys. Praise them for eating all their food. Praise them for offering to help you with something. Praise them when they make their bed. Now, my three-year-old daughter, Frida, uh, we send them in to make their bed every morning. And that was that we started that off, and that was correction. She said, I can't do it. Well, just do your best. No, I can't do it. Okay, no, daddy told you to do it. Now it's an issue of obedience. And, um, but now she goes in there and she makes her bed. Can I just be honest with you? It looks terrible. And it's not because she didn't try hard. She's trying hard. Uh, she is three years old. She doesn't under, I mean, her arms aren't long enough to be able to get the blanket all the way across the bed. She has to crawl across the middle of it. Uh, she doesn't know. She's still learning. Those are some training things that we're going to do as she gets a little bit older. I'm just thankful that she's obeying as a three-year-old and making her bed again. But can I tell you, it just looks terrible. Right, the, the the blanket has is all like smushed and wrinkled here, and the pillow's kind of sideways a little bit, and the, and the, you know her stuffed animals are kind of off to the side when they should be in the middle. You know things that, as an adult, would be like that's not right. But for a three year old, if she comes to me with a biggest smile, Daddy, I made my bed, and you know what? When she's got that smile on her face, and she comes and tells me that, you know what I know? I know that she did her best, and you know what I praise. I praise the fact that she did her best. Freedom, I'm so proud of you for working so hard to try and make your bed. I'm proud of you for having a good attitude this morning and saying, yes, sir. I'm proud of you. Find things to praise them about and do not stop that when they get older. They need praise just as much as 10 and and 13 and 15 and 18 years old as they need when they're 2 and 3. They need praise throughout their life. And as I said, when I talked about correction and rebellion, and we've been sold a lie that if you correct your teenagers, they're going to rebel and leave, and I said it's a heart issue. How do you get your children's heart? This is how you get your children's heart through the area of praise. Now let me back up a little bit, and that preacher that I was reading that book said we should major in praise and minor on correction. That does not, again, that does not mean that we push correction aside and don't correct so that way we can praise. It simply means that we try to praise double as much as we correct. That means we have to invest time in compliment. We have to invest time in praise and find things to praise them out. It becomes a job in and of itself to praise them. But another preacher I heard preach a message uh, on this subject of praise. He said we could change all of the world's problems if we just learned to praise, if we learned to praise. And there's times for both. There's times for praise and correction. Do not fall for this next trap that we have to not correct them as much so we can praise them. That won't work as well, right? The The previous generation was sold this idea during the, the 90s that you need to be your child's friend. The 90s and early 2000s, you need to, no, don't worry about correcting your children. You don't want them to rebel. And so, you know what, like they did in the 80s and the 70s, you don't want them to rebel against their parents. And so, you know what, you need to be just praise them, praise them, compliment them, and, and don't correct them and just be their friend and you'll always have a relationship with them. Yeah, 
you'll also raise your grandkids. Um, because people who spoil their kids will raise their grandkids, but people who raise their kids will get to spoil their grandkids. You can't be just their friend. You are their parent. Now, let me be very clear. My dad and I are very, very good friends. I think of my dad, besides my wife, as my best friend. Now, my wife is my best friend. I spend each and every single day with her. There is no relationship that is closer than me and my wife. But my dad, I would think of as my best friend otherwise. Now, see, we have such a great time together. He's one of my best friends. But it didn't start off that way necessarily. It started off with me looking up to my dad as my hero and my parent. And over time, through the love that he practiced for me, as I became older, he's still my parent, but he's my friend as well. Be very careful you don't fall for the trap that you become just your child's friend and push aside being their parent. You must have both. So you must have compliment. You must have correction if you want to be successful in the air of parenting. Now, here's the deal. If you're like me, you may not have been doing so great in the area of praise we got to fix it. So today, find things, go home, and look for things that you can praise your children about. Number four, the fourth C for child rearing is you need compassion. You need compassion. Look, we are parents who are going to, if, if you're a Sandy Creek stirring Christian, and you want to be stirred up for the cause of Christ and follow the beliefs that we have here as outlined in the many different episodes we've talked about. And you just want to be stirred up. You want to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. I think of that person as a Sandy Creek stirring Christian. They're stirred up for the cause of Christ. Then you want to follow every detail of the Word of God if you're that type of person. And that's very important. And the most important thing we can do with our lives is follow every single Word of God. Sometimes, though, we can get so what I might call hard-lined that we become harsh-lined. Instead of being the compassionate teacher and preacher that Jesus was and that we're trying to follow, we become this hard and harsh person that focuses solely on fixing the issue but not caring about that person and their kind of hate to use this term because I don't like it, but um, their feelings and caring about what they think or how they're processing things, those are important as well. Remember, it was Jesus who had compassion and made a difference. Jude 22, under the direction of, of God, said enough some, have compassion, making a difference. You know what? Having compassion in the life of your children will make a difference. And there are sometimes parent where your child will do something wrong and they've been harshly disciplined and harshly disciplined and harshly disciplined, which they need. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form to not handle the issue. But there are also times where they just need compassion. They need a mom and dad who, after correction, and this is, this is kind of linked right into proper biblical correction, but they need a mom and dad who will sit there and who will have compassion on them. Here's something that an evangelist taught me that I use with my children and I think might be effective for you, and I believe it fits under this category of compassion. Sometimes when my daughters do something and they know it was wrong, and you know that look your child gets when they do something and they know it's wrong, and they kind of like side-eye you to see if you noticed, and, and you pick up on it, and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, all right, come on over here, let's go talk. Something that I do every now and then, 
It's rare. It's not an everyday occurrence. This is something that I do every so often, and I fit it under the category compassion. I'll sit with them. I tell them what they did wrong. You never correct a child unless they know exactly why they're getting corrected or else it won't make a difference. They just think you're being mean. But I tell them what they did wrong. I tell them why it's wrong. And then I tell them what daddy's going to do about it. And sometimes, instead of going through with the correction or the discipline, what I will do instead is I will say, Now, daddy loves you very much. And the reason daddy disciplines you is because daddy loves you. But there's another way that daddy can show you love. And that's the same way that God sometimes shows his children love. And it's this thing called mercy. Mercy is not giving you something that you deserve. Right now, you deserve a discipline. But daddy is going to have mercy and I'm going to let it go this time. But just know, if you do it again, it's going to be worse discipline next time than it would have been this time. You say, why would you do that? Because I'm having compassion on them. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's biblical and blah, 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 blah. How many times has God had mercy on you when you should have been wiped off the face of the planet for your sin, but God had mercy on you? He said, you know what? That was wrong. You know it was wrong. Let me give you a warning. Don't do it again. But I'm going to have mercy on you. Kids need compassion. They need compassion. They need the love that a mom and dad will provide them. Dads, do not be fooled that mom is the only person who can love the kids. You have to love your children as well. Love them. So they need correction, consistency, compliments, compassion, And then they need concentration. Not meaning that they need to concentrate, but I'm pointing the finger at the parent and saying, you need to concentrate on them, or in essence, you need to give them your attention. You need to give them your attention. Spend time with them. It doesn't need to be something where you get home from work and the first thing you do is you hop on your phone or you get you get on the couch and you watch TV or you head out to the garage to go work on a project or you go immediately you know, mow the yard or whatever it may be. No, your children, before any of that, they need your concentration. They need your attention. Hey, how'd it go at school today? Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, do you want to, before dinner, go out and throw the ball in the yard? Hey, uh, for parents of toddlers, hey, why don't you go grab the, the little people or go grab the blocks? And you're like, but I hate playing little people. I hate playing with those giant Legos. Do it anyway. Your kids need your concentration. One of the areas that has taught me patience more than anything is playing board games with my toddlers. Have you played Candyland with a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old? Right, the four-year-old is very specific to tell the three-year-old when she missed a certain spot of the color track. And then the three-year-old, I don't think she's trying to cheat, but boy, she's really good at it because it's two green, but she just went five green. And you have to go, no, no, you, you skipped it. And while all that's happening, the one-and-a-half-year-old, doesn't, they, she doesn't think you're playing uh, Candyland. She thinks you're playing World War II bomber because she's taking her gingerbread man and floating him across the air and landing him on the other ones and blows up the map, and now you don't know where your guy was. 
and then the cards are getting grabbed and they're getting folded. I mean, Candyland teaches you so much patience. I'll be honest with you. There are some days where I do not enjoy playing Candyland with my toddlers. But you know what? They need the concentration. They need the attention. They need that from their daddy. They need that, that, that connection. There's another good term. They need connection that fits in the seas. They need those things from their parents. And so what have you done today to concentrate on your child? Not to where they're joining you on what you're doing, but to where you're joining them on something they want to do. They need concentration. How have you been doing in the area of focusing your attention? I mean your complete and undivided attention. How have you been doing with that? Next, they need Christianity at home. They need Christianity and they need it at home. They need to see mom and dad live out Christianity in front of them every single day. We talked about in episode number 150, the home killer hypocrisy. That whole episode was dedicated to this idea of living out Christianity and being a Christian in the home and not being a hypocrite. And so I'm not going to dive in depth because that episode went really deep into that subject. And so I'll let that episode kind of just speak for itself. But episode number 150, The Home Killer, Hypocrisy. Go listen to that and how it damages homes when we stay to where we live one way at church and we're a completely different way when we're at home. You're killing the spiritual life of your children. And you're literally killing your home. You must have, listen closely, you must have Christianity at the home. You cannot afford to be a hypocrite if you want your children to turn out for the Lord. So live out Christianity in front of them on a daily, daily, daily basis. For more info on that, go to episode number 150. Then they need seven, they need church. Listen to me, parent. If you are being inconsistent on church, you are failing your children. Uh, There's no nicer way to put it. I'm sorry, and you don't need a nicer way. If you are not staying faithful to church, you are failing your children. You are failing. Uh, I I tend to try and not be too harsh, but I'm just going to be right out there. You are failing as a parent. You are failing as a Christian parent if you're not staying faithful to church. And you say, well, good, I I go Sunday mornings. No, 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 that's not faithfulness. That's checking off the box so you can say you went to church. No, I'm talking about Sunday school. Sunday morning. Sunday night. Wednesday night. And not skipping a week week in between. I I see young families who, oh yeah, man, man, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, oh, we're all good. And then they miss next Sunday altogether. Or they go on a trip, or somebody's got a birthday party, or so-and-so's got this special thing going on at their place over here, and so we're going to go over to this church on Sunday. Hooey on that. It's a failure on the part of parents when you aren't faithful to church. For more information on why you should be faithful to church, and no, this is not a separate commercial. I'm still in the same recording spot. Episode number 100, episode um, 26, The Faithful Failure Too Many Christians Make, outline from Scripture, the consequences of not being faithful to church, and the biblical command. This is a matter of obedience and disobedience. If you purposely miss church for anything other than church, that's kind of, you know, same thing. But if you miss church, you are disobedient. There's no other way to put it. And you can say, that's not my words, that's God's words. 
You want to argue and fight with God and say, well, there's a, you do that. You argue with God and see how that works. But I'm not going to stand before God one day because I was not faithful to church. But if you want to take it any way you want to, you will. You will. You're not going to get away with it. God will get what is His. Let me tell you something, parent, though. If you're not being faithful to church every single service, you are failing your children. And I know this kind of sounds harsh, but parents, wake up. We were talking with a pastor just the other day on the subject of young families and just how difficult it is now to get young families to be sold out for the Lord and to to be faithful. It's hard. It's hard. I don't know what it is. I don't know what lie we've been sold, but we've been sold something. Parent, you cannot afford to miss church. Because when you tell your kid, oh, I, we love church. Church is the most important thing. Daddy, you know, I don't feel like going today. Well, you know what, sweetie? We love church so much, and it, it pleases God, and we care about pleasing God. So we're going to church, and oh, we're there Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Well, Daddy, Susan has a birthday party this Sunday, and you know, is there, oh, well, sweetie, you know, that's all right. You know, it's okay. God will forgive us. God shouldn't have to forgive you. You slap his sacrifice in the face when you purposely disobey and say, God will forgive me. Might as well just walk up to Jesus Christ himself and slap him. Say, that's what I think of your sacrifice for me. You know why? Because it's a sin. It's a sin. And so I feel like I'm kind of fired up about that. But anyway, you need you need church. You need church. For more information on why you need church, go to episode number 26. And I cannot begin to tell you the many things that church will do for your children and training them for the Lord. They need a pastor. They need those Sunday school teachers. They need those youth workers. They need those things to help them in growing for the Lord and building building blocks in their life. Church is so important. Please, 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 for the sake of your children, make it an important matter and be there every service. Your children will thank you one day. They will. Next, calling. Calling. And by the way, can I back up? Some of you are like, well, I did. I took my children to church every Sunday, and now my children, they they don't thank me. I don't know what you're talking about. I probably should have changed some things. Yeah. I don't know parents like that. I'm sorry. Because most of the parents that I know, they say they raise their children in church every Sunday, but they still took vacation every year, and they took a vacation from God because they didn't go to church either during their vacation. So don't tell me you raised your children in church. And so I just want to tack that on. But anyway, uh, calling. They need calling. You say, what do you mean? You, they need me to, you need me to call them on, like, on my phone and like, call them? No, 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 no. Calling to the Lord for them. They need parents who every single morning are going to get on their knees and beg God that God would protect them. God would aid them. God would help them. God would help them to understand their need for salvation. God would be preparing their future spouse. God would show them his will. God would help them and keep them safe. They need parents who every single day and every single night are going to call out to God on their behalf. Now, I know we just took like a total U-turn. We went from kind of kind of harsh, and I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, kind of, sort of, 
not really. But I know we took kind of a U-turn and, and, and are coming back from that kind of harsh on the church area, but it's truth, can I just say? It's truth. Not a word did I say. That was not truth. It was all truth. But we took a hard U-turn from something that was harsh to something emotional. You need to call out for them. Parent, why aren't you spending time in prayer for your children? Some of the sweetest testimonies I've ever heard were told by men of God who remember their mothers praying for them as a child. Sweet testimonies. You will never know the impact that a praying parent can have until you become one. You will never understand the impact that a praying parent can have until you become one. Then you'll see God's handwork. You'll see incredible things happen in the lives of your children when you begin calling out to the Lord for them. Parent, how have you been doing on spending quality and quantity time in prayer for them? How have you been doing? Has it even been a thing in your life? Have you been calling out to the Lord for your children? Good question. So, eight C's to child rearing, eight C's of child rearing, whatever we end up naming it. Correction, consistency, compliment, compassion, concentration, Christianity, church, and calling. Those eight magnifying glasses, take them home, look at them today, examine your life and how you've been doing, and be reminded that God cares. Follow God, for He is the best parent of all. Remember, as always, if you ever have any questions about Sandy Creek Stirrings, about this podcast, about the Bible, or about myself, you can email those to joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Until next time, my friend, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.